Hello, 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 hello. It is uh, Demote Mitch Monday. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us on this here live stream. Uh, we got a great show for you today. We're going to be doing Mitch in the news, a couple of really key stories that we're going to dig, dig in on. Uh, we've got a really important call to action, uh, and we're very excited to have back with us Doug Price after a week off. He's been looking deeply into the Georgia Senate corruption, which there's a lot of it, uh, but he's going to be focusing his, uh, his gaze, his research, his digging on David Perdue today. Uh, so uh, that's the show. Really excited to, uh, to, to kick it off. And of course, always asking, checking in with our, get our, our co-hosts. Who are you? Where are you? And what does your protest sign say today? So uh, I'm Aaron. I'm coming to you from Childsburg. Uh, which is, of course, a subdivision uh, in Lexington. Uh, and my sign says, Scrooge you, Mitch. Um, and uh, I really want to send that message to him uh, directly and personally. And we're going to get back to that, uh, that more of that later uh, in the call to action. Uh, joining us tonight, though, uh, we have got Denise. Hey, Denise. Hey there, Aaron. It's a pleasure to be back with everybody. Um, so hi, everybody. My name is Denise Gray, and I'm coming to you from the north side of Lexington. And my protest sign says, um, building a better Kentucky starts now. Do it now, right <laughs> now. now. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, there's a chance we might get a special co-host later but for now we're gonna roll on into uh mitch in the news got a couple stories we do want to cover and i think actually denise is gonna kick us off okay but first we're gonna start off with a short video so kick it i don't think the corporate liability waiver should happen i don't know how you can go to sleep at night and tell yourself that you had to make a trade-off between feeding children and putting workers, essential workers' lives, um, nursing home patients' lives at risk, literally allowing people to engage recklessly in killing people. Corporations and hospitals, they already have protection. Let me give you a fact to put this in perspective. As of today, there are more Trump-related election lawsuits in this country than there are personal injury or med malpractice cases for COVID-19. This is not a problem. Mitch McConnell, there's no there's nothing to solve here. This is about Mitch McConnell giving his donors something that they are demanding, his big corporate donors. Hey, so you all see that once again, Mitch is in the news. Um, he has been called out um, for his, once again, standing on the, si on the wrong side, standing on the side of big business rather than with the people. As we saw on the news, um, we're working on this COVID relief that we've all been waiting for. However, once again, there's someone that's standing in the way. Um, we know that um, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is demanding funding for state and local government to pay for police and essential workers. However, we know that Sen Senate Mitch, Majority Leader Mitch is unwilling to support the piece of legislation unless, gets this, unless, it unless the deal includes measures to protect employees from COVID-related lawsuits. So he's more concerned not about the people. 
not about the illness that we're all combating every single day, not about the family members and the friends that we're losing on a daily basis. He's worried more so about the lawsuits and protecting those who are already doing well, who are already doing well. Um, so what do you all think about that piece of news? Is it surprising? I mean, you know, it's that, I think I said this last week, Mitch gets a lot, a lot of points for consistency. That's the only thing I'll grant him. He's been incredibly consistent over this uh, entire fight over this months and months long fight over a, another round of COVID relief. He said he didn't want to, you know, he thought states sh should go bankrupt. They called it the blue state bailout, even though there's plenty of red states that really need money too right now. Uh, and he has said that his, you know, his bright red line was, you know, corporate uh, uh, legal protections. Uh, and even though as Katie Porter, you know, just took him to task right there and made it very clear, there are more Trump election lawsuits than there are lawsuits against uh, corporations for being irresponsible in the wake of the coronavirus, right? So it's not like there's some avalanche of, you know, sick workers trying to hold corporations accountable, uh, you know, uh, and I think it's just, it's disgusting that Mitch is holding up relief for humans who desperately need it so that he can protect, provide blanket immunity for corporations who are willing to cut corners and, and kill workers. Cause you know, there are examples, you know, the workers of, you know, it's already happened. Uh, you know, there's uh, example after example. And given that the CDC guidelines are very clear, you know, all these, all these corporations need to do is, is make a good faith effort to follow the CDC guidelines and they're right. going to be protected, right. right? So what is, what is Mitch doing? Uh, it's, it, to me, it's absolutely, you know, just again, outrageous. It's disgusting. It's, you know, the, one of the best examples of why Mitch does not deserve the position of power that he currently holds. Uh, but it, you know, that's me. I, th I think we might have another perspective we can pull in here now though. Um, let's, let's check in <laughs> with, uh, with, uh, our third host. Uh, how are you this evening? Who are you and where are you? And what does your sign say? And, uh, we're not going to get into why you were late. It was clearly because you were, you were adjusting, uh, <laughs> adjusting your tiara there. <laughs> you know, Aaron, this is the new style. Okay. Royalty. Okay. Wear your crown every day because Mitch McConnell wants to take it off of you. Uh, my perspective is, no, let me get into where I am. I am in Louisville, Kentucky, home of the Kentucky Derby, home of Jennifer Lawrence, and so many others. And my sign says today, Mitch, better stop being late with my money. Okay. <laughs> oh, you all didn't like that one. Okay, let me see. <laughs> okay, I see. I see. I see now. You all don't. <laughs> I just thought you, I thought you were gonna maybe weigh in on the story as well. Yeah. I, yes, I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready waiting. to get to that. Uh, most definitely, I am. You're waiting for and the applause. You want you you wanted some sign applause before you continue. Oh. On. Is that what you're waiting for? <laughs> you know, when people don't applause for you, like Mitch McConnell never will. Just applaud yourself, pat yourself on the back. Okay, so getting to the story today, it's an op-ed in the Washington Post and by one of my favorite op-ed uh, writers, which is Greg Sargent. And, you know, he's just talking in here about how Mitch McConnell is going to be 
the obstruction king once again. Uh, you know, if we can win Georgia, then we won't be so cr crippled as before. And he's actually, he's been talking to John Ossoff, who's going to unseat the GOP Senator, uh, David Perdue. And actually it's just about the Republicans need to win both of those. But even if they win one of those, Kamala can come in and take it over, hopefully, prayerfully. Um, the thing about it is with president, and, and we can't say right now because the electoral college today, he is going to be actually our president. Yay. Yay. The thing about it is president-elect Joseph Biden, he's going to meet a lot of opposition. This seems like deja vu. Why does it seem like deja vu? Because when Obama was president-elect, what did Mitch McConnell say? He was going to block everything. He was going to obstruct everything, which, which he, he did. did. Which he we're did. Gonna have, we're going to have some actual situations going on. And, you know, the thing about it is if we win, we, we gain that control. And he's also talking in the article also about, you know, it's the terrible politics of a miserable recovery. Let's just talk about the economics right now. Let's just talk about the pandemic right now. All the things that's going on. Joe Biden, he has some work cut out for him. He has one of the hardest jobs coming in, known to mankind, and Mitch McConnell is already let it be known. He's going to block and obstruct again. You know, we just cannot get the government into that gridlock, you know, that paralysis that Obama went through. It cannot be done. So everything is basically riding on Georgia. And, you know, Biden does have a plan. He has a plan for economic recovery, and he has a plan for every American as far as the vaccine is concerned, the logistics of it. He has a plan to get us out of the mess of the last four years of Tweedledee and Tweedledum, that be Trump and Mitch McConnell. He has a plan. So everything is basically riding on Georgia right now. So, you know, I don't have to bring out, I should have brought out my little crystal ball, but I don't need it today to let you know that once again, the king of obstruction, Mitch McConnell, is going to be back at exactly what he knows to do, like every time. Unless Georgia steps up and does what we all need them to do, and that is to vote for um, the Democratic candidates for Senate. Um, that's what we need for them to do, for sure. Oh, absolutely. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, if you remember, you know, what was, what did Mitch say when uh, President Obama was elected, right? So Mitch's goal was to make President Obama a one-term president. That's what he said. Right? Said it Not out loud. Uh, you know, and if every interaction you saw, you know, Mitch really disrespecting President Obama. I think, I think that Mitch is racist. And I think that, you know, President Obama paid a kind of higher price. Uh, but I think the politics doesn't change. I think, I think Mitch will be nicer to Joe Biden because they have that shared, you know, long time in, uh, in, the, in the Senate, that history there. But I don't think the power dynamics change, you know. Uh, he is uh, probably going to be more gracious to Joe Biden, but he will not allow him to, you know, appoint judges. He will not allow him to, 
appoint people to all the many different boards and commissions that the president appoints people to. Uh, you know, everyone, you know, is just astounded by how many judges uh, President Trump has been able to appoint, right? It's like at this point in the federal judiciary, one out of every four judges was appointed by Trump. Uh, you know, and, you know, it's, they are all people that Mitch came up with, their names that came through the Federalist Society. It's not like Trump knows that many attorneys. I know he's personally used a lot of attorneys through his history, right? Uh, but he doesn't, you know, it's not like these were his people, but they were his, you know, his, he was the rubber stamp for it all, uh, worked collaboratively with Mitch. But the only reason he was able to appoint so many was because there was such a massive backlog of vacancies to be filled and that Mitch has worked so tirelessly, you know, to as soon as a vacancy opens, you know, once he cleared that backlog, which took a while, uh, now every moment, you know, he's, I think, I think today or tomorrow, he's going to, you know, he's got another hearing to fill Amy Barrett's seat, uh, you know, so immediately trying to fill, fill those because he knows that's his legacy. Uh, but, you know, those, those types of judicial legacies are critically important. So if he's in power, he is going to block Biden from ever appointing a federal judge. Mark my words. I would we also so like to say this. Is, I would Go like ahead. to also say this as well. Nobody has said anything about our dear president, the last president that I know of, Barack Obama. You know, it is causing so much. Have you all seen the way he looks lately? He looks like he's still in the White House. He's looking older and older. You know how they look when they get in the White House. They age very quickly. And it's just not fair to Obama what Mitch McConnell and Trump are doing, because it looks like he's still in the White House. He's looking older and older every week I see him. You all just think about all those bills that are sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk that he has let lay by the wayside. You know, we have the Voting Rights Act. We have also, you know, the CARES Act that was passed earlier this year that could have been beneficial to us at this time right now that would help fund those programs that so dearly needed funding. And also think about the fact that, you know, we have so many um, people my age who are struggling with student loan debt. Um, all these things, um, Mitch McConnell has had the power to help and he has refused to do so. Instead, he has stood once again on the side of darkness is what we say. Darkness because that's the side of the most wealthy um, side of the big businesses. And so that's why also it is important that all goes in favor of the Democrats in Georgia, this this upcoming special election, which began today, actually. I think today was the first day of voting early there. Yep, so early voting started. Uh, if you, you know, and, and just to correct one thing, we have to run the table. So Democrats have to win both uh, to, to allow uh, Kamala uh, Harris uh, to come in as a vice president and to break the tie. So, you know, if we win the, if the De Democrats win both, then, Majority Leader McConnell, McConnell becomes Minority Leader exactly. McConnell uh, and gets, you know, most of his power taken away, right? Uh, so that is, uh, that's the key thing we want. Both, uh, whatever you can do, I'll throw in the chat or, um, yeah, I'll throw in the comments a link so you can find letters uh, to write. There's a bunch of different groups that are asking people to write letters that I think is handwrite a letter every day. I think if I was a voter and I was a, you know, 
a, what they call high potential voter. So somebody who doesn't always vote all the time. Uh, if I got a handwritten letter every, every day, I might be a little annoyed, but it's not gonna be nearly as annoying as getting a phone call every day. <laughs> uh, so uh, there's some I, I got with this from the Sierra Club. I'm gonna send these out uh, to, to voters and I'm gonna mention how important I think it is that we act on climate change. And the only way we act on climate change is if Mitch is no longer the, the majority leader in the Senate. Uh, that much we know. You know, you can talk about what it, an issue you think is important that other people think is important too. Uh, the minimum wage, you know, we know that, you know, a $15 hour uh, minimum wage would be only fair to where we are currently in terms of inflation, in terms of cost of living, uh, but that will never happen if uh, Mitch McConnell is the leader. The obstruction will, you know, know no end if, uh, if he stays as the majority leader. So uh, any other thoughts on that, that issue as we, as we wrap up? Well, I was going to say, and you can write the letters, but also you all can give money directly to um, to those organizations that are stationed in Georgia, uh, such as Fair Fight, such as Mijente, um, and other organi organizations that have been doing the work on the ground. They could use the money right now to make sure they get out the vote. Absolutely. Yeah. Fund the groups on the ground, fund the campaigns themselves directly. Yes, directly yeah. too. Sorry uh, about that. But. No worries. <laughs> uh, all right. So I think we're going to move on now to, uh, to, to our next uh, segment, Call to Action. <laughs> so the next segment, <laughs> Call to Action. Again, not just a live stream to listen to these, you know, very smart attractive talking heads uh it's, it is the protest i meant denise i did i meant denise and kimberly uh oh, cool. i was looking at kimberly but i get blinded by the uh the bling um, but i think it's it's really important we do something with this information right we don't give it to you just so you can be you know outraged for a minute and then scroll on to the next thing uh Let's put this outrage to action. Let's hold Mitch accountable. And I know this one, you know, people are like, oh, he's not going to care. Probably, <laughs> probably he's not going to care. But what I know is that his staff, under, you know, they, uh, this gives us that cover, right? To say, look, the public is against you, Mitch. You need to understand this. Uh, and this, you know, I think if we can break through right now, we've got like five signatures on the petition. Give us 500. Uh, it will make a difference. Uh, he, his staff will hear uh, and see that, okay, people are getting uh, outraged, Mitch. Okay, boss, let's do something here. Uh, you can also call his office. He, you know, he tries to stay away from any public pressure, right? You know, his office rarely picks up the phone. <laughs> There's only a couple of his offices that allow you to leave a message. Uh, you know, it's, they'll say, oh, your call is very important to us, click. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, but every once in a while you get a real human and they do write it down. You give them your name, you give them your zip code, your address, uh, you let them know that you wanna hear from, you know, the Senator, what his position is. So this COVID relief bill, they have got till Friday to get something done because the House is going to be out of session, which means there will not be a vote. So we have got to put the pressure on right now. So his offices are closed. Don't call, uh, but you can sign. You can sign that petition right now. Click on add your name. You know, make sure they know you're. You know, uh, Kentucky voters. Those. That's the only thing that matters. Uh, and we will make sure that if, you know we hit those thresholds, we'll get those to the office, and they see that 
uh, people are, are, are pressuring him to do, uh, to do something, right? To stop blocking everything. And, you know, it's crazy, but these, uh, there is, they are feeling the pressure right now. They do not want to come back from D.C. for the holiday break having provided nothing. They really don't. Uh, and I saw my old senator, uh, Bill Cassidy, a uh, very odd-looking human. Uh, he just got reelected. He was on the Sunday shows talking about you know, cutting a deal. This is, this is hardcore right Bill Cassidy talking about how important it is the Senate come up with a deal. So there's, there's movement afoot. Uh, there are political things that we would not necessarily anticipate that are happening right now. Uh, I want to flag one thing that happened that is, uh, you know, it just shows you that there's hope that occasionally rational thought will, you know, take hold even in Washington, D.C. 126 members of the House of Representatives, Republican members of the House of Rep Representatives, signed an amicus brief on that outrageously ridiculous Texas lawsuit to throw out other states' mail-in yes. so they could give the election to Trump. The most, like, fact-free, law-free, you know, legal filing, you know, the Supreme Court laughed at it, I think, as they denied uh, hearing it. There was no standing. But 126 members of the House of Representatives, many of them, their own elections were tied to the results of the election they were trying to get thrown out, which I guess that means they shouldn't be seated themselves, right? Because if they're saying that that election was a hoax or a fraud, and they actually got elected in that election. <laughs> anyway, the point of bringing this up is, uh, is that no one from Kentucky signed that letter. And we have a very high percentage of idiots, uh, Republican idiots in our, our, our delegation. You know, beyond John Yarmouth, I would have expected all of them to sign that letter. And none of them did. Uh, Dan Cameron, an attorney, you know, our attorney general, did not sign on uh, along with this, I think, 17 uh, other attorney generals actually signed, attorneys general signed on to that lawsuit as well. Dan Cameron did not. He is a right wing gadfly and did not sign on because there was no law there. He signed on because there was some reason that was holding him back from doing that. And my guess is that reason uh, is MM. So Mitch McConnell, for whatever reason, thinks that that was a bad play and there was no need for Kentucky Republicans to be going down that road with Mitch. That means there's some sense of, yeah, we probably shouldn't just do what Trump wants us to do right now, which makes me think we should get a, you know, we can pressure them to do the right thing on this, uh, this relief bill. So that's the way my mind works. That's what I think we could have, you know, maybe I'm optimistic, but God damn it, let's just try to get some accountability out of our members of Congress. How about, you know? Um, they showed a sign of sanity. Let's kind of keep on. Uh, let's see what we can do. S sign the petition tomorrow morning, call his offices, call through all of them until you get a human, demand he pass something this week before his opportunity closes and before he has to come back here uh, or come back to Louisville, you know, uh, and, you know, get harassed in the grocery store, which I hope is what happens if, if he does not pass a coronavirus, you know, respectfully, not physically, but, you know, a lot of side-eye, a lot of public shaming uh, if he does not pass a coronavirus relief bill. All right. Uh, so that's the call to action. Whew. Let's do it. I hope, I, hope that's in, I hope that fired you up. I'm fired up. Uh, you know, whatever, whenever I get fired up, I like to listen to Doug Price. So <laughs> he calms me right down, brings me the facts. Uh, and right now we are queuing up uh, Doug Price 
uh, following Mitch's money, uh, the Georgia special. Uh, and, uh, and I think, you know, uh, he's got a lot of good information to share with us right now. Doug, welcome. I would certainly be in favor of allowing states to use the bankruptcy route. In tonight's episode of Following Mitch's Money, I'm going to talk about Senator David Perdue. He was elected originally to U.S. Senate in 2015 and is now involved in the Georgia runoff election with John Ossoff. He has a net worth ranging between 15 to 45 million and is described as one of the wealthiest members of the Senate. He lives in a 9,500 square foot house located in Sea Island, Georgia, valued at approximately four and a half million. On March 4, 2005, billionaire Martha Stewart was released from federal prison after serving five months for lying about her sale of Implone stock. She had, had obtained insider information. I mention this because Senator Perdue has had his share of questionable stock trades and continues to serve as opposed to going to jail. Forbes writer Andrew Solander reported Perdue served sold over $1 million worth of stock in Cardiolytics shortly before its stock price fell. And that happened amid the departure of his CEO. And then later he bought back a substantial portion after the price bottomed out. The Justice Department came across an email from Cardiolytics CEO to Purdue two days before the sale warning of upcoming changes. But the DOJ declined to pursue charges and closed the case months later. Remember, this is Trump's DOJ, in my opinion, not the DOJ of the people. Senator Perdue was implicated in another stock buy related to his service as a chair of a Senate Armed Service Subcommittee. The committee awarded contracts to a Navy supplier, and according to Senator Perdue, independent of this, his financial advisor just happened, just happened to buy stock in the company for Purdue prior to the announcement of the contracts. A Purdue spokesman told the Daily Beast that the Senator doesn't manage his trades and they are handled by outside financial advisors without his prior input or approval. We all know the saying, where there's smoke, there's fire. I think John Haywood would agree that Senator Purdue was not telling the truth. So who is this guy? He began his career at Kurt Solomon Associates, followed by working at Sara Lee Corporation, Hager Clothing. He was president and CEO of the Reebok brand. He left Reebok in June 2002 to become the CEO of Pillowtex, a North Carolina textile company. The company had recently emerged from bankruptcy with a heavy debt load and an underfunded pension liability. He was unable to obtain additional funding from the company's investors or find a buyer for the company. And he left the company in 2003 after nine months on the job and $1.7 million in compensation. Pillowtex closed several months later. After leaving there, he became CEO of Dollar General he is credited for arranging the sale of Dollar General in 2007 to private equity investors, KKR. Just a side note, KKR is a 
pretty substantial contributor to uh, somebody we might refer to as Mitch McConnell. He reportedly earned $42 million after that deal and Dollar General paid millions of dollars to settle shareholder lawsuits, alleging that Purdue and other executives undersold shareholders. On December 3rd, 2020, a court action was filed seeking to release depositions by Senator Purdue related to court cases involving those Dollar General shareholder suits. That's an interesting development. In April, 2011, he started Purdue Partners with his cousin, former Georgia governor, Sonny Purdue. One might imagine that's how he became a Senator in the first place. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has declared Purdue as having a mixed business record, but says that he was known on Wall Street as a turnaround specialist who helps revive brands and reap rewards for investors. Purdue's campaign paid a $30,000 fine due to violations in fundraising reports from the 2014 election. The penalty came after an FEC auditor found the 2014 campaign received at least 117,000 in prohibited contributions and more than 325,000 that exceeded legal limits on campaign donations. That was even before he became a senator. In 2016, at the Faith and Freedom Coalition's Road to Majority Conference, Purdue said, we should pray for Barack Obama, but I think we need to be very specific about how we pray. We should pray like Psalms 109.8 says, let his days be few and let another have his office. I recommend that Georgian voters let his days be few. Vote for Ossoff. Back to you guys. I'm talking. Hey, uh, thank you so much, Doug. Always informative. I did like the technologically uh, enhanced dramatic pauses that were, I think, inserted in your presentation. We had some less than ideal internet out in Harrison County. Uh, but uh, thank you so much for that. So what you're telling us is that David Perdue, the turnaround specialist, uh, likes to get in charge of companies sell off their assets, outsource as many jobs as possible, uh, return as much money and you know, stock options to corporate executives and the leaders of these companies, uh, and then just jump on to the next gig, right? <laughs> That's pretty much what he does, huh? A number one red flag that you are not running a company for the best interest of the, you know, the actual workers or the actual products is when you are like working with KK&R uh, to, you know, elevate the value or inflate the value of the stock that is not like you're not running that for the for the workers uh the workers should get very nervous when kknr enters into the conversation um all right uh so the other piece 
that I was asking about David Perdue. And just to be very clear, he is a cousin to Sonny Perdue, who was the governor of Georgia, and also I think the ag secretary, right? Is that right? Um, neither of them are related to Purdue Farms, which is the chicken people. So just FYI, if you're like, I'm not going to buy any of my like, you know, chicken tenders from Purdue anymore because I don't like David Purdue. Uh, that doesn't make sense. I mean, there are That's plenty like of reasons that. not to buy Purdue chicken tenders. Sure. Purdue has a horrible environmental track record. They have horrible workers' rights. But don't blame David Purdue for those. Blame him for other companies that have horrible labor practices and workers' rights. Not that one, just to be specific. All right. Uh, any any thoughts about that race, uh, Kimberly or Denise, that you want to weigh in on? Um. David Perdue, I mean, how did he even get elected? I mean, I can't even believe we're having a conversation between him and John Ossa. You know, so much corruption, so much evilness. And then I heard something about Dollar General store. And I'm like, oh, now I can't go to the Dollar General store. It's just a mess before it's all over with. We won't be able to go anywhere and do anything because of these evil creatures that have been elected by non-informative voters. Or it could be what I always say, I'm just saying. Like some people will take anything and everything just to keep their white power. Well, looking at both of the Republican candidates, we both see that they both fall below what we would want in a leader. Um, standing with a member of the KKK is not what we would want. Um, standing, uh, you know, doing everything against your own employees, selling off your stock. We wouldn't want that kind of person in a position of leadership. So, you know, I only see a D coming out in victory. I mean, if people were like me, but that's my hope and dream almost every day. But we did it. We did it. We just did it. We can do it again, right? Like they turned yes. Georgia blue at the top of the ticket. Now they've got two other folks at the top of the ticket. And I tell you what, you could, I mean, after after Doug's deep dive on Kelly Loeffler, corporate, you know, corrupt Kelly, uh, and now this one, David Perdue, like you could not come up with more like, I don't know, the just stereotypical corporate leader you know, like corrupt corporate leader. It's like, you know, like just, they fill the suit, you know, here's their, their bio. They gotta be outrageously wealthy. They gotta be like out of touch wealthy. They gotta get it all from like fairly questionable corporate ethical behavior, or unethical behavior. Uh, and they need to have a trail of just bad decisions in the, you know, the public sector that show they don't really give a crap about the public se sector that they're just using their public sector experience to further enrich their private sector uh, investments, right? Like these two are so bad like uh, that you would like, who, who's falling for this? Like our well, Republicans if, line up, you know, those guys, they, they get me. They know what I'm all about. They are, they, they've got my values. You know, is your value just exporting workers overseas and cutting, you know, cutting people's paychecks? They didn't care about Trump, so they don't care about Purdue. But I will say this, um, I was on a uh, Zoom call, the Oprah Winfrey call that she does every so often. And I was invited because of course it's my sorority 
Alpha Kappa Alpha, you know, the same as our vice president elect, that we have committed that we will do whatever it takes for these two candidates to win the Senate in Georgia. But it was other uh, different sororities and fraternities, different organizations on there. It was a great call. And one of the things that was brought up that was surprising to me is that in order to win this election, it has come down to we as Democrats must get down and dirty in the rural areas. And they said in Georgia, this is definitely uh, an area of Georgia that they don't really saturate and they have to get their ground game together. And I also heard it also on the Roland Martin show. And it's true. We have to get down in the rural areas. There are black people that live in the rural areas. There are a plethora of Democrats that live in the rural areas and we haven't really gone there like we have back in the past. You know, when we were the blue collar, the working man's party. Now, a lot of people think we're the class of Starbucks, cafe latte or whatever you call it. I get the ice caramel macchiato myself. But, you know, we really have to get in the rural areas. So there are groups of people all across this country that are filtering into it, into Georgia right now to make sure to get those uh, rural votes, those votes that we haven't really uh, gone after because there is more to Georgia than Atlanta. Atlanta, Savannah, all of those places uh, will not be able to carry in this election as hard and dirty as the Republicans are going to play. Matter of fact, the so-called uh, alleged president, uh, Donald Trump, went to Georgia to actually campaign for these other candidates. How dare he? When has that ever been done in a runoff election? I think it's illegal. But, you know, that's just one of the one out of 10,000 things that he's done that's not a part of the norms or our political systems. So, you know, we have to get with the rural communities down in Georgia to make sure that we bring home the win. It's pretty illegal for a, for a president to go out and support candidates who are, that he supports. That's presidents have been doing that uh, for, for some little bit. So I'm, I'm okay with that. But what um, the Democratic Party is still the party, the big tent party that goes into the rural part. So I differ in what you're saying there. Um, however, um, the thing is that most people believe that in order to run for office, you need to be in a certain class. You need to have a certain amount of money. But hey, to everybody out there, um, you can run for office. You all are good enough to be our senator. You all are good enough to run to do these things. So that's we have to work on that belief amongst people all around this nation, especially in places like Kentucky, um, who believe that um, they're not good enough to run for office. And hey, we gotta support people like Mitch McConnell because no one else will hear us. So, you know, hey. Yeah, I uh, think, I will, I, th I think, you know, can the black belt, the Georgia kind of rural areas that have, you know, a higher, you kind know, of, ratio of black voters than other kind of rural areas in Georgia because you know it is 
it's a it's it's interesting the demographics of georgia are not the demographics of kentucky but Uh i think that same approach of doing the rural organizing it can pay off right like you know and i i I know that racism is kind of steeped into our culture in a a lot of systemic and horrible ways but you know i think we can organize rural voters if we can you know Kimberly, you're right. We've got to like stop being perceived as the Starbucks clap, you know, the Starbucks party, right? Because no one likes Starbucks. Well, I mean, I don't. Guilty pleasure. I like Folgers. I, I like Folgers that is already roasted. You just put it in your water and it's done. So I'm basic like that. Well, um, you know, so- and I'm from Seattle and I don't like Starbucks. I mean, they burn their beans. I'm just going to say it. Starbucks burns their beans, their roasts are too dark. Uh, but, uh, you know, you put the caramel in it and it's hard to say no to it. I'll be honest. It's if addictive. I'm going to be honest, I had an eggnog latte today and it was it's excellent. addictive. I got a gift, I got a gift card. So I, sh- I went in there. Um, but I, uh, <laughs> and I'm, look, I'm not looking for an endorsement. I'm not looking for, all I'm saying is if the perception is that the democratic party are the like, urban elite you know then we will never win uh because it's cultural the fight is cultural it's not about the policies like even though like there is no way in hell that the republicans will ever pass an increased federal minimum wage right this 15 dollars that folks have been fighting for and that is only fair given our current economic realities right the the republicans have been so brainwashed that they honestly believe people don't deserve a working you know a a living wage like there's this like hardcore you know constituency within the republicans but everyone else thinks that a 15 dollar an hour minimum wage is smart right like so it's the most popular policy in america yet democrats don't win (laughs) right it's like there's no way the Republicans will ever give you a $15 an hour minimum wage. The only way that happens is if Democrats are in charge yet, you know, it's that whole idea of like people kind of voting against their economic interests. It's like, cause the Democrats have done a horrible job of sharing these policies, right. And, and, and showing that they care about actual people who would benefit from $15 an hour minimum wage. Right. So, you know, there's a lot, a lot of work to be done. I'm going to give a lot of credit to the groups on the ground that have done a lot of work. So, you know, fair fight action, you know, Stacey Abrams, my friend, Latasha Brown from black voters matter. I think there's been some amazing work to make uh, Georgia purple. We'll say it's not a blue state now, but it is, it is definitely purple. Right. Uh, And we could see, to, you know, we could sweep these 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 races uh, if enough resources are strategically uh, allocated in Georgia, right? You know, we've seen wasting money. <laughs> we've seen that in political. We're not going to name any names, but we've seen political campaigns waste their money. Uh, but if you give it to strategic groups that are doing the right smart organizing to get to their voters and mobilize them, uh, I think we, you know, we could absolutely take both those seats and have, you know, Vice President Kamala Harris, you know, breaking tie votes as well as glass ceilings. Uh, but uh, that's going to take some time and energy. I hope everyone donates. I hope everyone takes action. Uh, and I think that's pretty much our show. I'm thinking I'm going to hand it over to Kimberly for, for our close. Do you see this? Do you see this, Aaron? Do you, you all know what this is? 
It's it's your finger. Kiwi. Yeah, uh, I was going to do it, Miss AKA. I know thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. It's always 20 pearls for the pretty girls, you know. And just to let everybody know, on January the 20th, you don't have to be an AKA to do this. But we are all rallying for every woman of every age, every color to wear pearls on the 20th. Pearls are a sign of power. It is a sign of class and style and eloquence and most definitely a sign of intelligence beyond measure. So everyone, every woman that's watching and tell all your friends, pull those pearls out. You know, they've been in that drawer for quite some time. We've been in COVID. You haven't had a chance to wear them on the 20th of January. Put your pearls on and send us a, send us a great picture of you wearing your pearls, we would love that. So are you getting our newsletter? If you're not, make sure that you DM us, that means a direct message us on Facebook or Twitter. We would love to hear from you and send out the most current and recent information of public enemy number one, Mitch McConnell. Also, you know, it's been on fire today and that's because of Ken, our producer. Doesn't the broadcast look wonderful and great? And I just want to give a big shout out to him because Couch Fire Media is absolutely wonderful and you can reach him and see some of their work on couchfiremedia.com. Also, I just want to say I love the songs that we play on the show. They, you know, they get you moving and grooving. And if you are a Mitch McConnell fan, you just won't like it. But, you know, give a great shout out to our guy, Nate Orshan. And you can also see him and see a little, a little bit more about him at NATO Songs, okay, dot com. At NATO, N-A-T-O, songs.com. So as always, you know, we can do more with support. And right now, it's more crucial than ever. We have got to win the races in Georgia. And we need your help. We need your help to keep this broadcast going. So any amount, we will be most appreciative. You will see a link on there. On our page, you will see the Act Blue link. Click on that and give what you can because our democracy relies on this. We have to get this done. So we wanna hold Mitch McConnell accountable as usual. We thank you for your contributions. We thank you for being with us. Thank you, Ms. Denise. Thank you, Aaron. Doug Price, he always brings the fire with him as well with all the information. So we love you all and we will see you right here next week, Monday at 7 p.m. And I won't be late.